Okay, I'm uh, Patrick Levy. I'm a professor at Grenoble University in France. Uh, I'm uh, the head of uh, a laboratory dealing with the cardiovascular consequences of uh, sleep disorder briefings, specifically sleep apnea. And I'm also uh, associate editor of the European Respiratory Journal, dealing essentially with uh, sleep disorder briefing. So we're going to review some of the articles that will be published in the May issue of the journal. Uh, and we have chosen uh, several of these articles covering different uh, aspects of sleep disorder briefing in uh, adults, in children, and also in, in, in the aged population. Uh, and the first uh, review that we can go uh, through is uh, a paper uh, coming from Israel uh, by uh, Ben Israel and, and co-workers. The title is Adenotonsillectomy Improves Slow-Wave Activity in Children with Obstructive Sleep Apnea. It's, it's a small study uh, looking in children before and after adenotonsillectomy uh, at the sleep structure. Uh, basically, they, they looked at 14 children with OSA. Uh, the mean age was uh, six years old. Uh, the apnea hypopnea index was uh, an average of 10. And they uh, underwent uh, adenotonsillectomy and were recruited uh, in the study. The comparison group was uh, uh, six subjects uh, with uh, also uh, OSA who did not undergo the treatment. They looked specifically at uh, electroencephalogram uh, and they analyzed the EEG using both spectral and what they call waveform analysis. And the, 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 the main goal was actually to look at uh, slow wave activity, which is the uh, the activity occurring during deep sleep uh, to see whether treatment was effective in improving this condition. Uh, the reason for that is that we know that slow wave activity is important, uh, specifically in children for growth and also for memory uh, and presumably also for uh, cardiovascular variables. Uh, because there is, uh, during slow-wave activity, a reduction in sympathetic activity and a rest of the cardiovascular system. They uh, repeated uh, the measurements after five months and uh, 19 months after treatment, and of course make, made a comparison between groups. So what basically they found was that uh, adenotonsillectomy improved respiration without change in the duration of sleep stages. Uh, but they also found that the, the, the treatment uh, improved very much the uh, amount of slow wave activity, essentially during the first two sleep cycles. Uh, and uh, there was a more than 50% in, in improvement in, in slow-wave activity. Uh, they looked actually at various indices that reflect this activity, uh, and they concluded that sleep homeostasis was considerably impaired uh, at the di diagnosis and was actually partially restored by uh, adenitonsillectomy, uh, which meant that they had a more physiological sleep 
uh, after treatment. And they suggest that uh, slow wave activity uh, uh, analysis uh, as a marker of, uh, of sleep homeostasis should be used uh, in evaluating tr uh, children both at uh, diagnosis and after treatment. Well, I think that the, the, the most important comment we can have uh, regarding this study is that uh, the first thing is that, uh, and it is discussed in, in this paper, uh, that uh, adenitine selectomy is not such uh, a successful uh, procedure. Actually, uh, in several cases, probably up to 50%, uh, this is uh, not really a success in terms of outcomes. Uh, this is the first thing. The second thing is that uh, this is really specific to children. Uh, sleep disorder briefing is defined on uh, the basis, of course, of the number of apnea and hypopnea, uh, the apnea hypopnea index. And the threshold is, is clearly different from uh, what we used in, in adults. Uh, but we, we're lacking, actually, uh, very sensitive indices uh, that may be used both uh, for diagnosis and, and after, for the evaluation of treatment. And this is the reason why uh, this uh, slow wave activity might be interesting in a sense that it might be a complement to uh, the assessment of both AHI and sleep fragmentation. This is also interesting since it, uh, probably, uh, it is probably linked to the uh, some of the major physiological uh, changes that occur during sleep. And as I already mentioned, uh, slow wave activity is essential for several endocrine functions like uh, the growth hormone production uh, and also is uh, essential for uh, some of the cerebral functioning like uh, memory consolidation. And finally, it is probably critical uh, in uh, what re with respect to the rest of the cardiovascular system. And this is probably very important because we know now that OSA is susceptible to, to create inflammation and to activate uh, leukotrienes in uh, children. And this is probably uh, the reason why there is a, an increased cardiovascular morbidity uh, like hypertension in children presenting with OSA. So for this specific reason, we believe that this article is uh, an important uh, pilot study. It's a very small study, but it provides uh, interesting uh, insights in the pathophysiology of uh, sleep disorder briefing in, in children and also the potential of uh, treating uh, by doing adenotonsillectomy in uh, children presenting with OSA. The, the second uh, paper uh, I want to go through is uh, a paper by a French team uh, based in uh, Saint-Étienne. Uh, they looked at the sex differences in OSA in an elderly French population. This is a paper by Sforza et al. Uh, this center in Saint-Étienne, uh, they... Uh, have uh, implemented a court in the general population for uh, several years now. Uh, and the, um, this court uh, is 
was actually initially uh, 60 years old and they had uh, they, they made a lot of uh, different measurements uh, and they scored and this is a, a part one of the study issued from this general population court uh, regarding the, uh, the the differences in in OSA in uh, an elderly French uh, population. The reason for doing that is that the prevalence of OSA is extremely high in uh, in the elderly, and we are still wondering whether the significance of the disease is comparable in uh, middle-aged young adults or in the elderly. So what they did, they included uh, 641 subjects uh, aged uh, 60 years old, 68 years old. They did a, a measurement of fat mass using the uh, absorbiometry, the DEXA system, and they add polygraphy in all subjects. Uh, they uh, consider uh, the, the diagnosis of OSA when the apnea hypopnea index was more than 15. Uh, using this criteria, OSA was diagnosed in 57% 57, 57 of the sample with 30, 44% having a mild form and 23% having an AHI above 30 and as such considered as presenting with severe OSA. In women, OSA uh, was less severe with a lower AHI, less severe hypoxemia, a greater peripheral fat mass and more frequently anxiety and depression. The comparison of women with and without OSA did not show significant differences. Uh, and after adjusting for BMI, hypertension, diabetes, smoking, anxiety, and depression, the logistic regression analysis revealed that the presence of hypertension was significantly associated with OSA risk in women. And there was a HOTS ratio of 1.52, which is... Uh, very significant. So the one of the conclusion uh, of this study was that in the general population there is a, a high prevalence of undiagnosed OSA in women that increased with age, with actually a risk with, which was similar uh, to men. They also uh, identified some some differences. Uh, and this was essentially true for uh, some of the clinical data, some of the anthropometric data, and also the fat distribution, uh, which actually seems to be more gender-related than OSA-dependent. So basically, uh, I think this is an important study. Uh, first of all, this is uh, one of the very uh, few studies dealing with uh, OSA in the general population. Uh, in, in the elderly. There are several studies that have been done by Sonia Ancoli Israel in the US, but this is the one of the very few studies in Europe. Uh, also, this is a study that confirms that although there are differences between uh, uh, OSA in, in men and, and women, uh, there is, as in men, a, an increased risk of uh, hypertension in women presenting with OSA. This is true, at least in the general population. Probably this has to be confirmed in clinical population. 
Um, this is in contrast with uh, the finding of the sleep, heart, and health study. Uh, we now have the, the follow-up data uh, of this specific study in the U.S., where apparently uh, there are two main findings. Uh, first of all, there is an increase in cardiovascular morbidity that appears in the uh, uh, subjects, both men and women, uh, before 70 years old. But this is less the case in women, and this is lost both in men and women after 70 years old. Uh, so this is in contrast, and this probably reflects the fact that this study has the power to demonstrate a significant relationship in women, which was not the case in the sleep, heart, and health study. This is also important since we, we are lacking now clear arguments to treat subjects uh, after uh, 65, 70 years old. Um, this is... This is probably uh, important since it is obvious that when uh, an age subject uh, is symptomatic, presenting, for instance, with chronic fatigue or excessive daytime sleepiness, he has to be treated. However, in subjects with less clear symptoms or clearly asymptomatic, then the question is really whether we have to treat them, uh, whether they really present with an increased uh, uh, risk and specifically cardiovascular risk. And I think this is probably a piece of evidence that has to be taken into account and uh, probably uh, should be considered when uh, deciding on treatment in age subjects. The, the last paper uh, I want to address here is uh, a paper uh, called Early Treatment of OAC and Stroke Outcome, a Randomized Controlled Trial. This is a Spanish uh, study, uh, the first uh, author being Olga Parra. Um, this is a, a multi-center study uh, dealing with the treatment of stroke. And I think this is a, a, an important study. Basically, the, the question was to assess the impact of nasal continuous positive airway pressure in ischemic stroke patients followed for two years. Um, the... The, the, the stroke patients had, uh, by definition, an apnea hypopnea index uh, above uh, 20, and they were randomized either uh, to early nasal CPAP with a, uh, a delay of uh, uh, 3.6 days after stroke onset or conventional treatment. There were approximately 70 subjects in both groups. They, of course, use the classical index, like the Bartley index, the Canadian scale, the Rankin scale, and the SF36, which is a quality of life uh, measure. Uh, and this, these uh, instruments were measured at baseline at 1, 3, 12, and 24 months. Uh, the results were that the percentages of patients uh, with a neurological improvement one month after stroke was significantly higher in the nasal CPAP group. Uh, this was both true for the Rankin scale, for the Canadian scale. Uh, there was also uh, a mean time until the appearance of um, cardiovascular events that was longer in the nasal CPAP group, approximately 15 months versus eight. And... Uh, Although the, the, the cardiovascular events, three survival after 24 months was similar in both groups. Uh, 
And although this was not significant, probably for a, a question of power, the cardiovascular mo mortality rate was uh, null, 0% in the Netherlands CPAP group versus 4.3% in the control group. I think this is uh, one of the first studies that demonstrates uh, two things. First, that it is feasible to treat uh, these uh, subjects with OSA uh, early after stroke onset. And second, uh, that there is uh, a significant uh, neurological benefit uh, also uh, to some extent a delay in the appearance of cardiovascular events, although there was no significant improvement in uh, survival or quality of life that was demonstrated in this study. Of course, this study has some limits, and we have actually, with my colleague Jean-Louis Pépin, uh, addressed these limits in an editorial. Uh, the first thing is that these uh, stroke patients might differ uh, significantly uh, from uh, the uh, classical uh, stroke patients. They are probably uh, less severe. Uh, they, they have a very limited uh, alteration of the level of consciousness. Uh, also, but that's probably uh, something that might uh, be beneficial to go further on, uh, uh, on, on, the, on that direction. The sample size of the study was an issue. And also, and this is a clear limitation, the study is analyzed in per protocol and not intention to treat manner uh, since the patient who did not tolerate CPAP were excluded from the analysis. However, we do believe that the, this remains uh, the first study of this nature, and we do believe that this is an important step forward. And the reason for that is that the, the, the whole question of uh, whether CPAP is able to reverse the chronic consequences uh, of OSA is a really burning question. Uh, this is true actually for uh, hypertension. Uh, we have now evidence that uh, CPAP is reducing hypertension. The problem is the magnitude of the reduction in hypertension, uh, reduction in blood pressure is uh, relatively limited. Uh, and usually in, in most studies, and actually that is confirmed by the meta-analysis, the reduction in blood pressure is less than two millimeters of mercury. And when you compare this to the reduction in blood pressure that is obtained with antihypertensive drug, this is, of course, quite different. It's usually two millimeters of mercury CPAP versus seven to nine millimeters of mercury uh, using uh, classical antihypertensive drugs. This is true also for other cardiovascular morbidity. And although the uncontrolled study, like uh, longitudinal studies, uh, like the very famous study by Marine that was published in Lancet in 2005, demonstrate a very significant improvement in both cardiovascular morbidity and mortality, this is actually uh, less uh, clear uh, in a randomized controlled trial, although there is uh, preliminary evidence coming again uh, from Spain uh, demonstrating that uh, it, there is a benefit in terms of cardiovascular morbidity and probably also mortality. In stroke, the situation is even more complex since uh, these patients uh, may present with uh, several comorbidities, which might actually uh, make the uh, impact of CPAP uh, less clear. And I think uh, that's the reason why this study is so important uh, 
because it really demonstrates that it is feasible and it actually suggests to uh, go further with probably larger studies, maybe extended to uh, more classical stroke patients. Uh, and uh, for that specific reason, this study is probably extremely important. And that's it.